Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Heidi Hatch with KUTV2 News. I'm in charge of the audio board, so if it's sounding not terrific, my apologies. I am not an in sound engineer, so I, I, I hope this works. I can't hear my voice. At all. I know, we can't hear each other, so we're going to take our earmuffs off and just I know. talk. I just tried it. I had some wishful listeners. Things. We're, we're stretching ourselves. I know. So um, does this show that they can hear us? It shows they can hear us. Hopefully, it's not overmodulated. We're taking our. Um, Headphones, headphones off. off because we can't hear them properly. Right. Because we got this. I have not sound engineered this, but I'm glad you're with us. January, the longest month of the year, is finally over with. Um, we and had, it's a leap year, too. It's a leap year, which is exciting. I have a nephew getting married on leap day because he thinks it's exciting to have All a... Right. Because he really he doesn't only wants years. to buy a gift every four years <laughs> yeah, yeah. for the anniversary. Yeah. Smart. Did you yeah. say it's a nephew? Yes, a yeah, nephew. This kid's smart. Yeah. I, I would do that. I would do that if I could go back in time. Haven't you kind of done it even without that <laughs> excuse, Greg? I mean, I don't want to speak yeah, for your wife, but I'm well, guessing. We, Educated make, guess here. Yeah. You, but you January's over, right. so that's good. <laughs> Although January didn't feel like January. It was mild, so I shouldn't have been grouchy yeah. about it. But this time of year See, is just like Can I say, if that's what global warming is, sign me up. Stop it. I would. I if that if that January is what it's like. If it gets, if we just have more carbon footprint, I'm all in. That was beautiful. I loved it. I loved having warm days. I love being warm. Degrees. I loved it. It's your car idling so right nice. now during the podcast. I wish. I have a I have a, I have a fob. If I could get it to work right now, I'd do it. Just that's good. just to help warm it up that's, around that's here. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. I love good weather. Mm-hmm. Good weather is yeah. nice. Today's rainy. It's kind of, we're all filling in a funk this week. So yeah. hopefully you can join us. Talk about important things that will get you out of the funk. And I know this was not on our list of topics, but I have to talk about it. I keep seeing tweets about people so upset about Taylor Swift and that there's some weird cabal that's oh, yeah, trying to make Biden. her get going. You know, start dating Travis Kelsey on the Chiefs so they can get her fame and fortune so then she can back Biden and bring Democrats to glory. Are we really that dumb that we think that this woman who's a self-made billionaire who the most of the free world knows who I she is. I assume you're starting her. with Greg since it's his yes, team Greg proffering gets to go. this. Like, this why is this, this a is a, This is like, a false why? flag. These are cons- <laughs> well-meaning conservatives that have been taken down a cli- off a cliff. This is why I hate. It's so funny you brought this up because my wife, Krista, Queen B. Krista, she brought this up as a complete rant this morning. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's mad too. Those I conservatives who have, who are, who've spoken this way about this conspiracy about Taylor Swift and those that repeat it. And now all the emphasis about if you don't like Taylor Swift, it must be because you're a wacky conservative. She's so mad because there are so many legitimate reasons to be annoyed by Taylor Swift that have oh, nothing to do with this. Oh, she doesn't actually like Taylor Swift. Well, she, it ruins foot. It actually does, in my opinion, in my wife's opinion, in many people's opinion, including the sports writers of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. She ruins football because all the camera ever does is go to her it's when they're playing. It's not her fault for showing and up at just, a game and then it's they like take you pictures can't, of her. Once there again, are people you're blaming in America, the woman for there the male America camera guys' didn't know choices. That Travis Kelsey was actually a tight end for the, the Kansas City Chiefs until he started dating her. 
and we all knew who he was before then. We di- we didn't need Taylor yeah, Swift in our disagree, football. So there's a I lot of us that have this angst that has nothing to do with that narrative. But now we're all getting clumped into this uh, this conspiracy. It's it's a way to stop people from being annoyed by her taking over at the NFL. So she's not on your playlist? It's, Is that what you're saying? No, she's not on my playlist. I, so I, do you want San Francisco? Let's just get to that. So my, oh, here we go. So <laughs> see, you're playing, you're a Swifty. I got to be in here with Swifties. I know, I was going to give you a song. Uh, I love Taylor Swift. I didn't even go to her concert because I couldn't get tickets with my daughter, but she gave me the the concert sweatshirt for Christmas so oh, I could feel. Nice. And then we watched the concert for $30 that's on our nice. TV. That was ser- are you being serious? I'm serious. Yeah. I love what Taylor Swift. What is going on in this world? Everybody's so crazy about I don't I've think she's that great she at all. Like, like a brand new I'm teenager. Like, I, I didn't even have you an know, opinion about her until Haters the, the NFL. Pl- no. Just she's the game could only watch storyteller. her. Storyteller. I like to listen to her while I'm running because you listen to it, the songs, and she tells you stories, and it's just like nice little stories while you run. And See, why a can't she just stay in that? Why does she have to be in every uh, every you, time you watch the Chiefs? Are you suggesting that her PR team? Insists that she's filmed. No, I don't know. All I know is that since she started dating her, because. She's interrupting my football experience. She might be. So why don't you blame the people who are making those choices, not well, her? Well, okay. So let me just say. The NFL I made $350 them to lose. million dollars off oh, her showing up in the last that. 10 I, I was cheering for the Bills, like, not the Chiefs, because I didn't want to see Taylor Swift anymore. I was cheering for uh, the, the Ravens, who I hate the Ravens, but I was che- uh, cheering for those dirty birds over the Chiefs so I didn't have to have my whole Super Bowl ruined. No, if you're such a football-y footballer, weren't you yeah. cheering against Kansas City because they've just been in the dance too many times? It's lately? a little, it's it's, like, it's a much, I, but as, as I, like, know, yeah, I used to like, West, I like Andy Reid, I, I like him, no, I think I mean, he's kind of cool. I like cool. the Chiefs, but I'm done with them. I mean, well, we should be this here is talking put it on about steroids. the Lions, and we're not. I know, that's sad. I, here's the, how do you explain this? From what I understand, Jason Kelsey's jersey is going higher than... Travis's. He, was, he had no shirt on and he was chugging no, no, beer saying, at, the, at the game last all, week. It's so if funny. If it's all Tay's fault, as we like to call her, <laughs> you Travis and I, um, why, mm. is, why are Jason's? And maybe it's because he's cooler. retiring. No, he's he's a cooler. million times cooler. No, he's, he's a million times cooler. His as wife is, his is cooler. Wife. She's cool. She's, she's way gorgeous. cool. She, she wants to be in the stands. She doesn't want to be up in the suites and all the fancy dancy people. She wants to be down there in the field. She won't even go up to the suite. Why do you know so much about him? Oh, that's right. We're covering the Kelsey's because of Taylor Smith. No. I know that's another thing. They do a podcast. You Those brothers do a podcast know. together. Yeah. No, I knew all about Jason Kelsey and his wife without that <laughs> Taylor Swift involved. In fact, she's interrupted the the, the funniness of those two brothers. I think you protest. I too think much. the brothers are actually funny too. Just oh, because they are. That's why him. they need to. He they needs to break like nice, up with her. He needs yeah, to yeah, kick yeah. her to the curb as fast I, as possible. I'm interested in what Jason's going to do next. I hope it's commentary. Um, do you uh, think that she's going to help President Biden, Mara? I, I think this is, as someone who has been getting calls for about the last 12 months about setting up this conspiracy, I'm just curious. <laughs> you've been helping <laughs> with it. It's playing She's, out exactly the way we wanted yeah, it to. This conspiracy Whew. does, because it makes us it so we can't. It takes a lot of work to do this, Greg. So I know. Don't we can't it. complain about. We on the left have worked very Taylor hard. Taylor Swift anymore. Look we have to be a conspiracy resume. theorist. Be there no, next there's week easy reasons. Yeah. Abs yeah. a conspiracy for being I'm frustrated really with her when we, it, ruining it, football. I'm really excited when we surprise the convention by having her BVP. Oh, my gosh. I don't no, want to ruin no, it for anybody. I do think she was encouraging people to get out the vote in the last election, which everyone has a right to do. No, I said I just said everyone has a right to do, but I do think that she probably had a candidate of preference, which you're allowed to do as well. But I don't care about any of that. I just don't want her Aren't on the football screen all Trump? three hours long. Aren't there some hair bands yeah, that support Trump? Here's Rock the thing. I, I love, love music. I love um, 
good acting. I like to go see those things, but they don't influence my vote. Like I don't care exactly. how Tom Yeah, Cruise they're votes. modern day court gestures. Care. Take them. I mean, for what I take worth. them for entertainment. I don't listen yeah. to what they want personally. For that's where I, I vote for who I want. So, that's right. Yeah, that's where I am. So anyhow, I'm glad we could get that off our chest and make, <laughs> she make she yourself feel a little football. better. She about shouldn't it. have so much screen time. I know. So there's so much to talk about here in the great state of Utah right now, and um, we'll talk about a few of these things coming up on naughty books in our kids' schools. Uh, Childcare cash, uh, possibly having the lottery here in Utah. But I want to start with Governor Cox, who has signed two controversial bills. Last week, he didn't want to say whether or not he was going to sign them, but he signed House Bill 257, which is basically the bathroom bill, we'll call it that, and then also signed 261, uh, which they're calling Equal Opportunity Initiatives, which was uh, the bill that essentially got rid of DEI in our schools and government hiring. Uh, Mara, you're first on this. a lot of people say or believe that Governor Cox, who they voted for and they liked that was very centrist, is moving too hard right because it's an election year. Yeah, so what's interesting about him signing the two bills this week is just what a public communications choice it is. Mm-hmm. So he didn't have to. In fact, he could sign them as a matter of course. He could sign them never. At the end and of so session, when yeah. a governor takes time to sign it in real time, it is a communications activity. This is not because uh, the process requires it. So I think it is clear what he's signaling and clear who he's trying to talk to. You saw some backlash. I think where it's going to be interesting is the folks, and I would categorize them probably as unaffiliated or moderate Republicans, who I think are feeling a little deceived. Like they're feeling a little bit like they bought one thing and maybe got another. And you saw that when Cox um, posted a tweet about Black History Month yesterday, and it exploded on him. (laughs) They were not wanting him to celebrate Black History at this moment because they felt the hypocrisy. Should he be able to, though? Can you have all things at the same time, though? Can you be anti Well, you can, but not if you say that it's borderline evil. So had you been measured about all your positions, continue to be measured. But Cox, in my view didn't choose to be measured, both about the bathroom bill or DEI. He was throwing flames. When you say something is evil, that that's not a measured response to a policy issue. He's decided to throw bombs. He's headed to the border. He's waving the flags. He's probably going to wear a hat that's red and has some letters on it soon. Like, I'm very happy about all this. He's virtue signaling. And it, all of this is his prerogative, of course. But the question becomes, it is very different branding than when he ran the first, than when he had the first go at governor, which our friend Greg Hughes would yeah. know because you were in the arena with him. I was, and there and there was there was a different a different tone, different message, maybe different approach. Uh, but I think that you have to give public servants the the right and the ability to pivot. And by that, I mean if you because he he vetoed it in his first, I think it was first session where he vetoed the bill that prohibited boys from playing girls sports, and he had a big long letter of, of why he vetoed that bill. Um, if you look at the bills he's signing into law now, they seem to be contrary to that first veto. But I think he got a lot of backlash, and I think there was a lot of criticism uh, that he received from that from those original decisions he made. And so is it he is an election his year. Or campaigning? Yeah, well, that's, like, is he just I'll just say this: we're not inside his head. Point? So I think if you want to if you want to represent people, and you feel like maybe when you came out uh, and you had these positions, you didn't feel like you were the people were with you and you want to be the governor still, you can pivot, I think, with the best of intentions. 
Um, it would be disappointing if he did it now and then he just pivoted hard back the other way as soon as the election's over. So I don't, I, I don't know. I, I think that it's reasonable to say, look, I, I represent Utah. Utah has, uh, it's a conservative state, and these are issues that are important to Utahns, and I'm the governor, so and I'm going to be there. super interesting about representing yeah. the people. And we have this, we approach this every cycle about when are you just talking to your caucus or your hardcore party members, mm -hmm. when are you talking to the broader? Both yeah. parties have this challenge. Because yes. when you say representing the people, interestingly enough, I think if you looked at most polling, I think the bathroom bill and the DEI bill, as they are written, probably don't represent all Utahns. If you look at Republicans, all, absolutely majority. they do. When you look at hardcore Republicans, absolutely it represents yeah. their point of view. So I think he is pivoting away well, from but, the notion yeah. of I'm the governor for all. And right now he is the Republican primary candidate for all. I don't think this version of Governor Cox is looking at every 3.4 million people who live in Utah. I think he's talking I, to I think it's, Republican yeah, primary people. Well, you're correct. But I do think it's impossible for everyone of every different opinion or political affiliation to feel represented equally when you have to make a decision. So I think there is there's going to be that frustration inherently. But I do think that uh, the decisions he's making, including going to the border uh, this weekend, joining some other governors, a yeah. lot of other governors. I think 15 Republican governors. Right. Yeah. I think that that is something that is is that we're going to appreciate to see this kind of stand and this kind of attention being paid to something that's really, I think, harming this country. And so, I, look, it's an election year. I, I think this is why we have a democratically elected republic. We want our elected officials to hear our voice, uh, uh, represent us. And I think he is working very hard to leave the constituency with that feeling that that Governor Cox is representing them. I think okay. it's interesting to note as well um, that sometimes governors probably don't get to choose the issues that the legislature takes up. And Republicans and Democrats both do this where there's bills where you'll see them kind of sweep the nation, the entire country yeah. will deal with them. DEI and these bathroom bills are bills that you're probably going to see in every legislature across the country. And so it's something where... Well, we're seeing they may not want to be dealing with it, but they have to pick so what side they are. I agree are, with you. I totally disagree on D Cox brought this up before our which blew my mind <laughs> he brought this up before our conservative legislators did and i think they would have you're right and it is because if you read many of the journals and you look at the think tanks and you follow alec and this is perfectly good game strategy they develop and target as does the left um states in which these issues so yes we know of 18 states that dei has been targeted but it is fascinating in my mind that I think that Cox let out publicly on this issue, and I, th I think the legislature would have followed, but in this instance, I, I know we were talking about that at the University of It was only a matter of weeks, yeah. but it was only a matter of weeks or months, but not long before the... But it is unusual, because usually I do feel like governors try and stay a little higher, and sometimes legislative sessions kind of put them in a bind but, to talk about things. So me, it wasn't true yeah, of these so issues. So let me ask you this question on just strategy campaigns and elections. So when that bill, when these bills were being heard, there were rallies out there against these bills passing, and there were cars circling the Capitol, honking the horn nonstop, and there, there was a lot of at least, I mean, Utahns might not have felt it, but certainly those at Capitol Hill were feeling this this crush of opposition to the bill with the people that were coming to the Capitol. Um, if you if that if the legislature passes that bill and he doesn't sign it very quickly, um, I I would imagine that that pressure builds, that debate grows. Isn't it smart campaign and election wise to just get that signed quickly and then move on and then so take on the next? Issue? I believe he is acting very smartly from a strategic inner party fight. Okay. What I what I will hold him accountable to is that the 
leaders, the Republican leaders in the state of Utah have such a chokehold on their power position that when you look at me and have the polling that Governor Cox does, you don't get to claim that you have to get into the mud with the pigs because that's your choice. You can win and be anybody he chooses to be, and this is who he's choosing don't to be. Don't you think if he did, for all that you just said, don't you think the fact he's doing this to polling doesn't say that? This, the polling does suggest he has to be no. more conservative in the times that we're living really in? Really, Phil Lyman's going to give him a good go? Come on. I'm not buying that any day of the week. He's I pulling. Like he's yeah, I mean I whatever. <laughs> he's but, a nice. He's but a good lawmaker. You cannot tell me that the data. So I do I will be I'm you and I are both in politics. Yes. If it's head to head, I get it. What I am going to hold him accountable to is that he is in the position to be a clarion and call the agenda, and instead he's just choosing to follow what I so, see as ultra-conservative <laughs> mass thinking. This is more, I, this isn't topical, but this is just, I'm curious. What is the reaction? Is, let's uh, Hypothetically, if he were to, he's going to, if he wins, and he pivots back to the left hard, is it with welcome arms? Do the do oh, do the moderates and left of center are going uh, to come on? Well, that's the right of center. I'm saying, does the left of center say welcome home, or so are they now John? Do they have now of a jaundiced let's eye? Let's use the trust of these Twitter Democrats media yeah, who exactly. have registered as Republicans are really mad because I think they will they come back home though if he I comes also back think to it's them. Unaffiliated Republicans. I'm yeah. going to say sort of people who don't love the parties, but they really are pretty conservative here. I mean, I think that's yeah. most Utahns, right? Yep. I think who he is. I think to your point, who he's risked the most with. So so the far right didn't elect him. They've accepted him, but he didn't get elected by them. The far left actually, I think, did accept him because of two or three years ago, that beautiful LGBTQ speech that he gave. But After the Orlando been, Pride yeah. massacre. You know, yeah. But like Brian King's legit, so they're going to go with him this time around. Who he is in trouble with is, in fact, just an average Utah who I think they think, I, I think he's running the risk of being someone untrustworthy because he's done such quick swinging and he's here's here's where his ability to communicate is cutting against him when he does things like this we pay attention right yeah so we can we can feel it sometimes people you and i have complained about people who go unnoticed one day and not noticed the other day he's noticed all the time we're following what he's doing we're listening to him and is he betraying that trust right now by being inconsistent with his positions who knows so that's my way of saying stay conservative Governor. Wow. <laughs> or that's my way of saying just vote, vote for Brian King. He won't do it to you. I know. Didn't someone call him a wolf in Greg's clothing? Yeah, or how does that go? Well, we on heard Twitter? something. I there know. was something out there I saw that. If you haven't was yet, flattering. listeners, just <laughs> follow the Greg Hughes weaving of this and you will be so pleased with the laughter it will evoke. Oh. Okay. We got lots of bills um, to tackle. And one that I think is interesting. Representative Kara Brooklyn actually has a lot of bills that people are talking about. And one of them I didn't know was coming up um, was the teen driver changes. And at first when I heard her bill, I'm thinking, okay, no one's going to go for this. And then I started thinking more back to my teen kids when they were driving at first and, you know, where the bill should go. She wants to make it so 16 and 17 year olds, depending on when they get their license. We know it's graduated here where you drive with your parents for a year, you get your license, you have to drive by yourself for six months. Then once you stop being less of an idiot, you can have some friends with you. She wants to make it so you can have, um, one friend with you. Cause she says kids are breaking the law anyway. She says her daughter's been pulled over for it. And I'm like, well, the whole idea is parent them and let them know they're not supposed to. But then I started thinking about when my kids would go to dances and I can't tell you how many times I would lose it after they got home from a dance because I found out that the one person 
who was old enough to drive with kids in the car would drive and then they would double buckle and double up the kids in the car where if they got in a crash, their heads would just thump and they'd all die instead of just at some point splitting up and I guess doing the illegal thing and driving with somebody who couldn't have the kids in the car. I guess it's frustrating because you have these kids that don't want their parents to drive them. I don't know what the right answer is. I'm going to do some good old fashioned conflating before I start a real answer. I, I will say I'm struggling with a person who thinks that they're making children safe with a 0% chance of a trans person being aggressive. Do you know we have no arrest what? records of a trans person being aggressive, but 0% chance, and where your kid mm-hmm. is going to get hurt is Nashville. teen driving. In teen driving. In Utah, never. Okay. So And so teen driving, I'm like, wait a minute, her kid gets pulled over, and she's now like, wait. Now I'm going to totally Yeah, that was a stretch, by the say, way, but. You know, I don't, I don't know so much if I care, although I will say where the law actually works really well and I think maybe shouldn't be changed, is we need to remember that if your child is carrying somebody else to school or to a sports practice, like, so they have taken into account new drivers who have a friend who then now gets a ride to school or gets a ride to practice, or a younger sibling who gets ride. So you can have people your age in the car with you. Mm, I didn't realize that. If so if you're, you're going, going to, to a school-sanctioned activity, there mm. are some limits around it. So what she's proposing is just cruising with your friends, it's not not going to some. So isn't that the problem though? When they're jamming to music and exactly doing so dumb things. Your child currently um, can take someone from your house to school. I didn't even realize as that. part of that, but. What she's proposing is that that we get to, but you know, I'm also I, I'm, I'm I would fickle w- on this one because I'm a little rural enough that I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Do so here's want. yeah, <laughs> I, I I it's all news to me that the kids had. I just texted my daughter to see when she's 24 now if she drove alone for the first six months because I I know nothing about this. I don't know how often you have to drive alone where whatever the law is. This parent didn't hold any of my kids to it because I wasn't aware of it. So oh, I was a real stickler. So I'm going to tell you that I don't think kids follow this law. I'm going to hopefully she replies but but i think that this idea that they should drive alone for six months is fantasy land if you think kids aren't going to have kids in the car when they're driving once they get their license they're going to do it i i just think it's going to absolutely happen supporting this rationale that says when people don't follow the law we should change it no i'm just saying if you're not aware of the law i mean no but i don't think this is the speed limit so legislators who are lifting no no, i'm just going to say honest question do how many parents do you do you think no that law that you can't you have to drive by yourself? I did. I did. Well, I'm because I didn't. To a maybe law. because you didn't show abiding. up to that class at school where they no, make you go well, sit in the auditorium. I, I, I you probably let your I kids my, read I don't think that too. was the no. <laughs> that's that's your party that lets those kids in elementary school do it in those libraries no, with those Greg's terrible waggling books. His finger at so me right now. I'm not. I was just pointing you at something right behind at you. No, I don't. I wouldn't do that. You break my finger. So no, but so where I grew up, I swear that wasn't a law where I grew up. You were in Pittsburgh. Well, it wasn't when you yeah. grew up. When, when you I grew like, up here in Utah, yeah. you just got your driver's license, but they changed it to the graduated license, which I think has proven to be Helpful. a safer way because parents ha- have to drive with their kids if you do it the right way for a year before. You don't. You, I mean, you had to do that. You had to have a learner's permit. Horrible driving. Yeah, you got. You had to get a, a learner's permit, and that's when you had to drive with a parent. And you After your like learner's six, permit, sixty hours or something. I'd have six hours? months of a learner's permit, then you could apply for your license. Yeah, there was no so learner's fine permit with it. years ago in Utah. I, I, I load up the car. As much Put as you want. Put on the want. tunes. Yep. Kids are idiots. Take some medical marijuana and hit the road. No, not you had to go. <laughs> see, you just don't. Just let the pendulum keep swinging there. No, I'm not for that. But I, I don't. Soda? I think all this stuff, 
So, so uh, here's the answer. We're getting this live. So I asked my daughter, uh, did you drive alone for the first six months after getting your driver's license? Ha ha, no. Okay, so there you go. There, if that isn't the most honest answer to her father. Thank you for your honesty. Yes, yeah, my daughter Sophie that, just Sophie. absolutely called it out and laughed before she even said no. Mm. And that is the tell that I don't think kids are, are watching those calendars and saying, okay, it's been five and a half weeks. I'm pretty sure. Or three more days minor, and I can go drive with my friends. Come right? on. I, I don't know if you are. knew this, but when a parents. minor is subject to a law, I'm pretty sure we assume some parental guidance. But I'm just saying, like, I, I don't want to hold you responsible. I didn't know that was a law to even tell my kid to do that. I don't think anyone knows Maybe this. Maybe you should have I think it's a big mystery. In, okay. in their development. All right, I'll be interested to see what happens there. Speaking of driving, um, we're going to keep following these, but there's a couple bills um, right now in the legislature for harsher penalties for DUI. One of them would change sentencing modifications for certain DUIs, usually when it ends up being um, there's a fatality involved. Right now, uh, the minimum for automobile homicide is one, so you could get one to 15 years, but after a year, you could be up for parole. It would change that to five years. Another one would make it so there were actual penalties for restitution. So if they were a child, it kind of would be payments until they were 18, or if they were the caregiver in the home, they would have to pay. The question is, uh, will these bills do anything to stop the drunk driving? How do you change the behavior? I was actually talking to my friend um, who lost her son, Eli Mitchell, which I think a lot of people have heard her story at this point, the 13-year-old. And um, she realizes, and people like in her family realize, the really the best way to fix this is to fix people's behavior. But at this point, nobody's been able to figure out how to fix the behavior. So then you have bills like this where you're like, okay, maybe the punishment will change it. So the question is, are these bills a good idea? Will they change anything? Will they hurt anything? What do you think, Greg? So I have a different angle. I, I do hope that the harsher penalties uh, create a chilling effect on this type of behavior, or what ha these accidents and driving drunk and, and homicides and everything else. But I think you're getting bills like this because uh, the judiciary is not and many people's opinion, uh, sentencing people to the appropriate penalties when these when these crimes occur, when a homicide from a drunk uh, someone drunk and under the influence uh, kills someone, they're not uh, holding them without uh, bail or, or release in the, or releasing them. So you can either get prescriptive in the law and start saying these are circumstances that we're not giving any judicial discretion to, and this is your penalty for what you do, or. I have a better idea. Let's say, let these judges and their decisions, since we have retention elections, let's just let everybody know how these judges decide in circumstances like this, who they release and who they do not. If you had more transparency with how judges make these decisions, I think you would start to see some crime punishment that would start to look more intuitive. Um, so you, you wouldn't need bills like this. That's my, if I were king for a day answer. So, I mean, the hard part about all these is just how you set this up. These, these deaths are so unacceptable, right? So there's this need to say, how do we stop these acts? I mean, I don't... And I, oftentimes I'm, when they kill someone, it's, you look back and it wasn't just, their first DUI. Yeah, they were a exactly, repeat offender. They've horrible. done it and done it Here's done where it. I'm struggling with it as a policy. Um, one, I think historically we know that particularly delayed punishment doesn't. Now, we do know that immediate punishment, you steal and I hack off your arm right away, it's a huge deterrent. But because <laughs> of the system, I like that. I like somewhat, where you're going here. It's somewhat of delayed punishment. And we do know that delayed punishment doesn't tend to change behavior. The other thing I object to strongly from a policy position is that this is a DUI bill, frankly. I think that automobile negligence 
whether that is driving drowsy, whether that is driving and texting, whether that's DUI, whether that's some other um, chemical impairment needs to be treated the same. If you're texting and killed somebody, I think it's equivalent to a DUI. I don't, one of the things I don't like is that we get on a moralistic bend about a drinker and I'm like, no, these are real. I mean, we have taken our automobiles too for granted. I, to not make light of the story, but I was driving a really old stick shift the other day. Oh, and yeah. it we used to have to drive. Like, we don't drive attention. anymore. Yeah. Like, you yeah. are doing 27 yeah. things. That's true. So one of the things, if I think we're being true about, and the reason I would also want to expand it is to the point of behavior. If we all knew, a lot of us would say, oh, I'm never going to be subject to a DUI. But I absolutely have to own that. Have I been distracted? Have I not paid as much attention? I think if we're going to be serious about automobile homicides, which happen way too frequently. I think we have to, DUI is too easy in my mind to what make about, it about a moral issue. It, and I will tell you, I'm also super, 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 super against valuing human life differently depending on your gender or your age. Bless every parent that lost a child, but that is not how we can look at life. I don't think you should be paid more or less by someone else's opinions about the value. I think every life is equal. And so I do object when the law, when the law tells me who is more valuable than the other, I am very against that. Does does manslaughter count for any of the the poor choices one would make that would result in the death? Is that that already the law? Well, manslaughter, if there's like a DUI, usually you're charged with manslaughter. And I think the problem... It's an increased penalty. But if you were texting and you did that, that would that be considered manslaughter? I think so, but I don't think it's an increase. I don't think it has to be. Yeah, it kind of depends on. So I I, I agree. I don't think that the alcohol should be any different than any other poor choice or or negligible choice that you make. That if you're if you're being negligent and that and that choice in doing that, you've killed someone. It should all feel the same in terms of your consequence. But Heidi, I do think it's a way to maybe increase it the intensity of this problem for all of us because again, so many people can say, well. DUI and others, bad people are making bad choices. Many of us probably need to up our vigilance about not being distracted and driving, not being sleepy, tired. My phone distracts. I'll just come clean. My phone does distract me right, when I drive. me too. It I've does. been in that point before too, but I mean, seeing the loss of life, I really, to people close to me, it's made me stick it in a bag on the floor away. You just, mm-hmm. I mean... Can you imagine having that on your conscience I if something happened it. where no. you thought something was so important they had to look yeah. at your phone or you were drinking? And so I wish we could change the behavior. Um, I'd, I'll be interested to see what happens with these bills. I think more likely than not would be House Bill 273, the sentencing modifications they are looking at if something passed. And I think that um, there's got to be some help in there for families. I know it's frustrating talking to my friend. You know, after a year, you could be every year in there um, – going in there and pleading the case, you know, that this person doesn't get out on the streets again, which seems so early for um, a fatality. So the way the legal justice system works, I think, is frustrating for families. And some people are still waiting for justice. You look at um, those two little boys in Lehigh, and their case has been going on for two years, and I don't think they've even, you know, seen their day in court yet. So we'll be watching those. Um, I know these are emotional bills, and they matter. And unfortunately, there's consequences whether they're passed or not passed. So we'll keep watching those. Um, 
a few other bills I wanted to talk about. You brought up Mara Child Care Today Lottery um, came up. That was another Kira Berkland bill where she wants to make it so that we don't have gambling in general in the state, but have a lottery. Governor Cox has said it's a way to tax poor people, um, but we all know that we all here in the great state of Utah like to drive to the borders of Wyoming and Idaho every time we have a chance to win a billion dollars and naughty hmm. books. So, uh, Mara, let's talk about <laughs> your bill. Yep. Greg laughs at naughty books. Yeah, uh, the child care I'm totally bill. against them. That's Are my you? favorite bill, but let's go, to, let's, go, let's go to yours no, first. I, just, I think the issue of child care is important. I think the premise, the context is we're losing $400 million in ARPA money or in sort of Fed money. Uh, and when you say ARPA, is this the recent money that we got during the no, pandemic? It's the, yeah, it's the two, it's the Trump and two Bidens. Like it's a mixture of it. And we did supplemental care. It's a series of money that the state is now going to see a lot of federal money that either run out of time or they're just not reallocating. Um, of which all the Republicans and probably meant most of the Democrats in the federal government agree we can't afford to keep spending that yeah. money from the federal government. And so... The, the angst becomes, for those of us who think there should be an additional investment in child care, the angst comes from the legislature looking at a $160 million um, income increase by giving a tax cut or decrease by giving a tax cut when many of us feel like there was – this came upon a letter that 35 major companies and philanthropists – noted that 77% of Utah households live in a child care desert. They don't have the choices they needed to. Now, everybody gets to choose their own life. So you can say you shouldn't need child care, but nonetheless, that's just your personal opinion. If you don't have access to that. So one remedy that is being looked at by Luz Escamilla is uh, is – uh, where she wants to repurpose some government buildings. I, if I remember, her fiscal note is about $5 million. There's two or three other proposals. But I think w- what we need to put, uh, from my point of view, if we're family first, fa- you know, a family first state, and 77% of our households may be having a problem with child care, and we really do believe that children come first, it makes sense to me that we're looking at the slate of bills and not just saying, uh, yeah, this is their problem, not ours. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. I think part of the problem, too, is we don't have enough people who provide the child care. So you can have a building, but you still yeah. need someone. You can't just lock the And I think she addresses building. some yeah. of those. We, it is a lot of infrastructure. Yeah. And particularly when it reaches the level we're all comfortable with kids going to, right? I mean, I like how heavily regulated child care is. Yeah, if you, you, I'm not interested in, in child care in and of itself. If you had a quality preschool getting kids ready for kin- kindergarten, where there's some of that because there's a lot of need for kids to be ready to even enter kindergarten. I like the idea of that, but um, it's not that I'm against childcare. I went to, they called it nursery school. When I, when I went, my grandma dropped me off and during the day, cause everybody worked, but, but I, you know, I don't, if I hear the governments or people that are spotting the money complain, we're not pulling it down, but we're not hearing from the people that are saying they need it. That's, it's, it's a different hearing. But I'm not. Hearing, I, and absent are, this and session, before this session, and those that are pointing it out, I, it seems more like a political um, ask right now than something that's more grassroots from no, the public. No, Greg. I mean, this is affecting more. So more U- Utahns have 
one or two parents, primary parents living outside the home than the national a- or but, working outside the house. why does that equate to a, a need for child? I mean, why is it? Is, why do parents working? No, we know they need child care, but we all need child. But why it, uh, is there a, is an absence of this? I'm not hearing yeah, this. Yeah, we don't. 77% of Utahns don't live in a place where they have adequate access to choices. And so we 70%, should be doing. Does that mean, do you mean 77% can't afford a child don't have uh, adequate preschool? access to this infrastructure. To choices. One thing Whatever I think was interesting are. is we've well, done some stories do? in the last couple of months about child care centers saying that they wouldn't be able to afford to stay open once some of this um, money went away that was uh, came in during the pandemic. My question was, how did they survive? And I know all of our prices have gone up in the last couple of years. Because of Biden. They obviously were able to survive with whatever money they were dealing with then. But once they take the money away, they can't. And is it because they hired more people to cover more kids? I'd be interested to know that. But on a kind of apples and oranges thing, it's something that shows that I think parents need their kids to go somewhere. When we were talking about um, part-time kindergarten, which has kind of been the standard here in Utah for a long time, I think that, um, I mean, that's what everybody did until Mm -hmm. recently. And then when it was funded, the uptake went from about 23% to 76% over a year, where 76% of all kindergartners, I think is the right number, it's somewhere in the 70s, is now going full-time. And so I think we thought we were a state where we're like, no, we want to keep our five-year-olds home and close to their moms, and that's how we like it. But as soon as the option was there, most of the kids went to full-day kindergarten, which says to me that the the need is there there for the kids need to go somewhere. This grassroots group is asserting that um, the majority of our state lights sufficient licensed child care facilities. So it's a licensing and staffing issue. And Escamilla's is not, Senator Escamilla's bill won't, she's, it won't alleviate all the challenges, but she's saying the state needs to offer some solutions to alleviate these problems. She's not saying everybody gets bailed out, but she's saying this is, I mean, it, it, I don't know that she's saying this, but this is an intricate and important part of not only our, our economy, but our family unit. So, okay, but... You know, there there are some unintended consequences sometimes when you do this. One being if, if you're qualifying for, for child care uh, based on a household income uh, and you were to get a raise in your job and that took you over that threshold, it's a disincentive to get that raise or have that raise or you lose the child care, which is far worse and more money of a cost to your household income, the child care, than the raise that you got. But there, So what, what I'm saying is you got to be really careful when we do this that you're not creating these traps because there are traps inside of a lot of government, so, particularly federally funded child care programs. I real, I, I've seen your it. Your optics right now are a 1960s no way. government no, handout on welfare. No. 77% of Utahns live in a place where they have a child care desert. I mean, I remember when I was looking for child care, it was hard. I found what I needed and we had a really lucky solution, but it, it, it it's a... It's an issue for most of my, certainly all of my staff. It's an issue for most women that I talk to. It's not that they don't even have grandparents, but you have but to understand. think about I'm it. Not, this isn't I'm a not saying this doesn't exist only. as a thing. I'm saying getting federal money to, to or We're qualifying not, for the ARPA money or whatever you're saying, that, that somehow creates this infrastructure. I'm saying it's going away. It gets, it gets, it gets complicated. Yeah, I just I think that, that the but federal role is the state is serious is about being family friendly, the state can't say that they won't consider investing in early childhood. Wasn't this money one time already? I mean, we didn't think it was ongoing. Why did they go with ongoing expenses for one time money? 
Yeah. Well, let's ask that question about all the things that Utah spent on. Let's ask the Conflate bravado of our, our, our test, okay. our chest pounding about how we don't. And we're really well managed, but we we have been filling our pockets full of federal money and then pretending that we well, don't have a relationship. Well, some of that's ongoing. This is an ongoing it. money. And then they get it. They get it, and then they. It wasn't right, meant great, to be forever. The need is still there. So instead yeah. of like complaining about the feds, deal with the needs. That's the saying, job of our elected officials. The state doesn't print money. So I, where do you, where would you take it from to, to make that an ongoing program? I wouldn't program? give a $160 million tax cut when I had a need this big on a value that I cared about. Okay, that's one position. I can take that. That's at I'll least an idea. I'll be interested to see and hear the debate on this too because we obviously have all of these companies that are coming forward saying that we need the help. I'd also be interested to know if these companies, if they were willing to pony up money or back it. You know, that was the conversation no one's just saying hand hand us money well, i'd be interested right. why they don't in their own businesses because i've seen a go. lot I of the like tech that. companies start sure. their own daycare i know some of the county government buildings have them where they have on-site daycare i don't know how that works i'm the last person that should talk about daycare i love ideas like that it makes sense for employers and and what's quality workforce up, to, but to say there's no responsibility for the care and welfare of children's health. Can we get to my favorite bill? It's just not a position I that I can't. My state of bill. Utah should have. I'm not well spoken on this because the Hatch family's had the dad staying at home since my daughter was nine months old. And so he's always been um, the daycare, so we haven't had to well, worry about that. So I'm not very educated. Uh, in all fairness, I was, a, I was a latchkey kid or I was I went to and nursery school. And you turned out fine. But my children uh, had a mom that stayed home. So I, I, I've i seen both worlds. What's your I've favorite bill? I've lived both worlds. My favorite bill is Ken Ivory's bill on the uh, inappropriate published material in our schools. If you cannot speak about it because of federal election laws, no, that no, this is one we want to keep harmful and uh, and uh, material that is not age appropriate away from the eyes of our children in their schools. And I love that bill because uh, you can pass it, but I think this is trying to uh, if you don't have consequences for ignoring the law i think that's what he's trying to do but if you can't if there are federal broadcasting laws or communication fcc whatever you call it that say you can't say that on the air if you can't repeat the words in the book in a public hearing if you if there's certain thresholds of decency you cannot breach uh but that book can be in an elementary school library or a middle school library i just think intuitively that should not be going on i think and i've seen some of the images and cartoons that are pretty graphic, and I just don't think that kids need that in their schools. I just think it's a good bill. So I don't. I, I'm sad that it's even needed, but yeah, here's what I, I love have that to bill. say about this bill. It doesn't have a floor sponsor, and it is currently in House rules. Those are very good parts of this bill. Oh, they I'm heard enjoying, it on the floor. Didn't they hear this bill on the floor? Telling me that the last location was in I House s- rules. No, this, there was a bill of his on this topic so that was I'm debated on, on I Tuesday. Up Ken Ivory's wait, school yeah. materials amendment. Hey, I swear HB this bill has been debated I think it was out of the committee, too, but maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe I'm I pulled up the wrong Googling, bill. but my eyes I mean, can't see the frequency well. of this sort of moral signaling is so prevalent that I might have confused the bills. Because mm. right. we haven't said enough that if you don't look like me and you don't oh worship like gosh. me and you don't think like uh-huh. me, then you're a pervert. So <laughs> it's another one of those yeah. bills. Huzzah! Uh. <laughs> I won't even dignify that Good. comment with an answer you or won't. a retort. Okay, I'm I will not. find this bill before we get done talking. I have to start with Greg on this next issue, though, because my mind was slightly blown when I was looking at CPAC. I don't follow CPAC, but I saw other people so tweeting. why don't you start with me on that one? Because 
it's a conservative political said, action committee. I'm not and kidding. You there's are, connection here. I know, but you're a conservative, Greg. Yes. yes Why Greg. the bleep have they chosen somebody who so is... So for those I, who don't I know, CPAC has chosen as one of their key keynote speakers a one Tim Ballard... To share his point of view. Have they not read the news? Uh, Do they just you know assume what? that he I'm just is honorable? I don't know what's happening Utah here. News is not really making it outside of Utah, is all I can imagine. So I feel like I if you know. Google it, you have to know. It, or if you, I don't know. So I, I feel like you have to know. I, I know how to answer this question. Oh, please. I'm sure you do. I I think Greg actually gave me the answer to this question. I think the answer to the question is found in doing a quick Google search of the executive director of CPAC, who himself is struggling with some sexual assault allegations. So maybe it made sense to him to invite Tim Ballard to be the keynote. Because when I was like, what the what? Um, Yeah, the director of this CPAC is also amidst several allegations. I'm going to pivot. Um, HB 29, Sensitive Materials Review no, Amendments, uh, received 11 votes in favor, one against in the House Committee, uh, Education Committee, and then on the floor uh, just this week, received 51, which is a supermajority and veto-proof, votes yay, and 16 votes nay mm. on that bill. Like so that bill, voice. Yeah. that bill is on its way to the Senate for so, its thank consideration. So, an issue that's a non-issue has been resolved once again. No one disagrees that we shouldn't be saying pornographic words Actually, to our children. Actually, your entire party thanks, disagrees. Thank you they for all disagree. once again. Those, those books would thank not exist in those, in those libraries if they all reminder. agreed with what you just I'm said, I'm going Mara. back to the, the conservatives want to listen to Tim Ballard. So it's so, <laughs> so like, I want to go back to this materials so book. To me, but I'm going to be glued to CPAC. I want to hear what he has to say because his wife posted, and we should note here, that you're innocent till proven guilty. Absolutely. He's not criminal. Yes. charged there's That's civil right. charges but there's a lot of smoke and we all know the same with smoke and fire there are a lot of women who have some very serious allegations if you read the documents that have been filed in court it will turn your stomach also it's, cpac a is lot. a political institution so like i mean you have to understand the nuances <laughs> there and by so, nuance i mean freight train that's coming at you but again the dude who's maybe it's running just this the movie was the just same. so popular they just got Mesmerized by the, the movie story. has made a lot of money, but the thing yeah. is, is that you still have to look at who you're inviting yeah. and like what they're bringing to the stage. And they're giving him a stage and a platform to talk about something that I think is an <laughs> whoa, my phone is parting. That a lot of people <laughs> have brought up is an important issue of sex trafficking, and I think he was kind of one of the heroes people held up right. with it. And they don't want to give away the issue, and it's still an important issue. We shouldn't human traffic. We shouldn't sex traffic. We need to figure out how to stop that. First of all, if you're a man buying a young underage girl, stop that, and that will help. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if people just don't want to believe, because I've seen a lot of people supporting them. This when just seems just like weird. A, an obvious misstep. That's what's weird about it. Like, I, I, I just, it's a, it's a curiosity. Yeah, it is. I don't, I don't know anyone that's seen that and has been willing to defend if, it. If, just to air my personal slights on the air. Um, I and please do. This is what we're here for. I I saw this little gem this past week, and I shared it with my friend Greg Hughes. And his yes, response, so I, felt I should go look it up. Would you his stop? response back to me was like, um, "I'm going to go check and see if this is true." I did. I thought it was a total lie. <laughs> I thought she he was. was I thought it was photoshopped. I, took the time I yes. to make this graphic. I did. I really did. I thought you actually made it up. 
I no, was offended. You're, I still that's am offended. What you, that's what all the left does. It's all fake news. Mara's too so, busy for that garbage. That's what I thought. I was like, I'm not, this is not where I'm spending my time. I no. Know. I thought, wow, you photoshopped well. That looks really convincing. Who I think is an interesting choice, too, uh, that you see on TV a lot talking is former U.S. Attorney Brett Tolman. Yeah. Um, he, I think, kind of put his name out there that he'd like to be an AG if President Trump were uh, elected again. So I think that's another Utah voice that I'll be watching. But it seems like a much cleaner pick from CPAC than the other alternative. Yeah, but uh, Brett Tolman, I know him. He is a great guy. And he is uh, he he can frame issues in terms of the law. His experience as a United States attorney uh, appointed by Republican president. Uh, anyway, he just has a lot of... He's also a background. smooth. He's articulate. Yeah, I just li- I really like I, li- I like Brett a lot. So I I would hope that in a in a successful presidential run and victory that President Trump would look to Brett Tolman in that position. And I think that would be a huge And he worked with him when they were working on sentencing guidelines, I believe, when President Trump was in office. Yeah, and right now he's the director of some law enforcement foundation. Yeah, yeah. And, and he does look at anyway. He's got a broad um, spe- spectrum of different ways to problem solve. Some are actually not traditional uh, conservative approaches that he's looked at at issues. And I, I just like him. I just like his uh, legal acumen and his and his uh, his uh, brains. He's good. You gonna let Donald know you're for him? He's not. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have the pipeline like I used to. I'm not Speaker of the State House, so I don't get as much. You're not as important as you used to. Do you go hunting time. with Junior? We know who gets more of the texting uh, time I'm with the Don Junior. It's not me. Interesting. So. Um, before we go this week, we do have to talk about a couple polls. Uh, the Des News and Hinkley Institute have uh, released a couple polls, which are kind of interesting. And uh, the first one is the 2024 Republican presidential primary. Uh, Donald Trump in the great state of Utah, 49% polling currently. Nikki Haley at 22%. Ron DeSantis, who we know has dropped out, 13%. And 17% are still undecided. Is this kind of what we expected? I actually thought that DeSantis would be higher here in Utah. But this also was polling done after people were knowing that he was kind of done. I, I think we can stop saying that Utahns don't like Donald Trump. I think that his electoral strength, be it Iowa, New Hampshire, what what we're seeing in the polling numbers in South Carolina, and even this poll that has him in a, in a three-person where they had three choices at 49% of registered Republicans in Utah, does not show a weak candidate to me. It shows that he is incredibly strong in, in the states that he is competing in and leading up to our caucuses here in March. He looks like he had. He is absolutely dominating. I mean, he's twenty-two percent to Nikki Haley's, or forty-nine percent to Nikki Haley's twenty-two percent, and that's with thirteen more percent going to Ron DeSantis. Those Ron DeSantis votes will not go to Nikki Haley. They will go to Donald Trump. So, I I just think but that we we always talk about close. Ron well, DeSantis's a, vote have actually actually higher than I thought gone to Nikki Haley in other states. You make I, that up? I, I know I would have agreed with you, you but I've been surprised. But really? here's here's what I'm focusing on: one of the reddest states in the union, yeah. where you should totally oh take gosh, for granted. What I see here is that more Republicans don't want Donald Trump than do. No, you can't 51%. take one. Yeah, I can do the, the math. Don't know. I undecided do does not mean they don't want him. They are not decided because oh, they're not they sure are not who decided. Donald Trump is. They have not decided. Have I they? I tell you, an incumbent been a former president oh, to have not, you know, an you undecided. Sound like, you sound like when he when he's the first guy since 1976 no, no, to win Iowa and New Hampshire and MSNBC nose. saying, wow, look, he didn't win by a big enough they, margin. They, he must be in I'm trouble. Come on. The reddest state in the union. I know of it pains you, but you can't in a three person race say 49% is a weak number. You would take that number for any candidate you were working with in a heartbeat. No, it's not. I'll be interested to see what happens after 
let alone Republican be up uh, this nomination. high. I'm wondering if RFK Juniors can be one of those where people are trying to decide if 100%. they're wasting their vote or if they're That's like the my red meat friend right yes. here is, I, I'm is gonna in tell love you. with him. I, th- I like and RFK Jr. I think he's going to get the and youth RFK vote. in Utah takes away from Trump. Yeah. No, I think he takes from both sides. I really do. I think there are young no. voters that are that would consider the Democrat as well as a Republican. And I'm telling you, he's not a Democrat. He's, he's taking. No, I'm saying that he is taking away from the Democrat nominee because I don't believe it'll be Biden. I think it'll be either Michelle Obama or uh, Gavin oh, Newsom. Oh, if it's Michelle Obama, y'all should just. I know. Pack well, up yeah. I'll be the first to admit. List. I'll tell you right now. I pray Where every night that, that it's that not her. T-shirt. Yeah, I pray every night it's Probably not her. Probably the strongest woman that Democrats or anyone. Yeah, could amen. I would. I that is the worst first case scenario. First female president. I'm tearing up right now. Yeah. So. I don't believe Biden. I think Biden doesn't want to have any kind of primary. He's going to try and hand off at the, oh, at the convention. Oh, I forgot about this. What happened to the Gavin Newsom conspiracy? No, I, I gave, you oh, were you listening to me. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I, said. Good, good, I good. said both. I said Sorry. Gavin Newsom or, heaven Michelle. forbid, Michelle Obama because she'd be way stronger. So, but I'm going to tell you that. Like the, her arms because yeah, she, she does is. have strong arms. She is. There's this picture of her when she was first lady. She's got her kid's head right in her lap she's, because the kid starts screaming. She has it right down. It's so awesome. I actually like that picture. But anyway. Some good parenting. But my original point was the RFK vote, which is a younger voting demographic. If they are motivated to come out and they are motivated to vote, they are going to... Uh, it's my belief that it, it takes from both uh, both parties. We shall see. Yeah. Last poll. Um, when I was looking at this poll, I was like, oh, this is how many people we have in the race. But if the Republican primary for U.S. Senate were be, to be held today, for whom would you vote? There's three, six, nine, twelve candidates. And 52% don't know. But here's what blew my mind. The Hatch name, which I love... You mean Brent Oren? Yeah. Apparently, (laughs) the Hatch name gets you a long ways because the question when he put his hat in the race, we're like, are people sick of Hatches? Do people even know who he is? But just because his last name is Hatch, I have to assume, because I don't think a lot of people know his policies or politics, 14%. But remember, it doesn't say Brent Hatch. It says Brent Brent Oren Oren Hatch. Hatch. If it were me, I would, if I registered for this ballot, I would have put B. Oren Hatch as my new name. (laughs) So just in case people didn't know his dad was dead. Oh, I wouldn't, I'd be like, you know, a little B. Oren Hatch action. I mean, because like LDS Church it up. So you have like a middle initial. I think half the voters would be like, oh, Oren. How, why is he junior senator? Love that guy. Yeah, no, he got 14%. That's incredible. Curtis, 18. Is that bad news for Curtis and Wilson, though, that they've got no, someone who this has is name no, ID? This is really like a moment in time, no news. So one of the things I always want to point about Dan Joe's polls, not bad, not good. They're registered Republicans. They're not voting re- voting voters, as Greg and I would yeah. call them. Yep. So it, the reason that that matters is we're in a primary. Now, if it was a general election, but when you're in a primary... It's a subset of a subset of a subset. So having r- registered voters is is um, an important distinction in terms of uh, is that valid or not. What this shows is name ID. And when you're in February of the year, what it shows. But I do think it's worth pointing out that it's not too early to talk about this because we're in February. And remember, the election is June. So like rewire if you're thinking it's a it's a November issue. Um, no, you're right. February, you're right. March, April, May, June. It we're comes f- quick. we're five months away, so these numbers will start to matter more and more. But no one has started to pump money in. So, in addition to looking at these numbers, everyone should go look at their last federal filing and see what they have in the bank, because yeah. that's how you win name identification. I think Curtis has got to feel good about this poll. If I were Curtis, I'd feel good about it. I, I well, we all knew he would have a the highest name ID going into this race, and and that's what you're seeing in this poll. But I do think that 
some of the names that are not as high, even former Speaker Brad Wilson, I think he has a war chest that will get his name ID up high and quickly. And I think you'll see him as a, a serious threat, more so than I think uh, Brent uh, Hatch. What do you be. think about Brent Orrin Hatch getting 14%? I think it's. I think that's again another. That's just a name ID uh, contest. You're just hearing names you recognize versus names you've never heard of before. And what? It's, it's how that. many of these people think that it was Orrin Hatch? I hope not many, but I. I don't. I because yeah. I. I think it's just. I just think it's a, a name association game. Even if they don't think it's him, but that's about. I. I don't think that grows has a potential to grow the way. Other candidates, if they have the resources to get their name ID up, does will Trent Stags feel good about three percent that he at least is registering on the map? I don't know if he does. I don't know what his end game is about. Um, he he doesn't have much in the war chest. He's going far right, which I think is his his sort of organic position. The fifty two percent don't know is the real number, and that's probably where it should be. Yeah. No one has talked yes. to anybody yet. So if it was more than that, you'd you'd think it was a little superficially yeah. wrong. So this feels about right. And what it starts to shape up is what we're seeing is a two or three person race. I mean, I think it feels right that Curtis Wilson and Hatch are probably starting to shape up. I don't think any of them have pole position yet, though. I if, think it would be wrong if, to... If you had a conservative darling that came out of the convention, whether it be a, a, a Carolyn Phipp and a Trent Staggs, um, and I think those are probably the two... I don't know, uh, the, the Walton, Jason Walton is, has, I think, some serious resources to put into a, a race. Walton so is that, 1% in this poll. Just. I, yeah, just because no one's heard. But but by way of a war chest, I think, he's, I think there's a, a potential there. But... If they're able to raise money or can self-fund and they are seen in the in the caucus convention cycle as the most conservative candidate, that, that candidate could become uh, Here's the a trick, strong, though, and we've both been in this situation. There's not probably much ideological distinction between many. So trying to carve out space where people can hear you because it is going to be about, I just like that guy. Like, I just resonated with him a little more. Um, trying to carve yourself out of 11 people, it's even when you say, oh, maybe a half a dozen of them aren't serious, it doesn't matter. It's still it's still input. And so what happens now is who starts to put together the best race? Is it Curtis? Is it Wilson? Is it Hatch? How well are they connecting and differentiating becomes... I do think one thing I'll just say, if I were Wilson, mm-hmm. um, I don't... I would not hate that... Among the political chattering class, I think too many people are taking um, John Curtis for granted in terms mm. of him being the front runner. If I were Wilson, I would love that. I would love to I not be in the you. front position. Yep. To be in a field this big, <laughs> to be the front runner is not cool. Yeah. And so I, I know people have been putting him there thinking that they're doing Curtis a favor. I don't think to be the front runner right now is an enviable position. I would agree. I think yep. you're exactly right. That's you're the tip of the spear. That's where the attention, even the negative campaigning, will start to to show up is on the apparent front runner. Yeah, and there's a lot of big issues to talk about. I was letting January go because I didn't think people were ready to be listening to politics, even though important things are happening on on the congressional stage. But um, I'll start pulling in um, our senators and congressmen in the next 
month or so and talking to them about the budget, the debt, uh, the border, um, so many important issues. Even right before we came into this podcast, I think the Middle East is going to play into our conversations today. We have the dignified transfer of three U.S. troops, uh, two women, one man uh, who were killed in a drone strike. And just as we were coming in here, uh, President Biden uh, pulled the trigger on the U.S. strikes and the response happening. We don't know exactly, but uh, we know they're happening in Iraq and Syria in multiple locations right yeah. now. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot going on in this election year that will make people want to listen and things they want to care about. So we will be paying attention to it. And luckily for all of you listeners, uh, we gave you an hour podcast again. We heard that <laughs> you were all sorely disappointed when we, we were busy last week. Strategically, we should have it very short, but... That all that meant is I just let Mara talk the whole time and I didn't get to Great, say you anything. You're really whining about this all week, like all week long. You've been. But I was very disciplined, and you just—that just meant that I just had to listen Great, more. Greg, you've never. I been hated very that. Disciplined. Very well. Mm. I was last week, and then we got complaints. How do you feel about today? Feel, do you feel like you've had your moment? Yeah, I do. I feel. I feel like I got a lot off my like chest. You really, it's been and you can make that through that. Yeah. Next week, I feel better now. Thank okay, you. Good. Thanks for letting me speak. Yeah, yeah. you're welcome. Yeah. Well, thanks for spending part of your day with us, whether you listen right on Fridays when this drops or any day of the week. Thanks for listening. Give us uh, a thumbs up or a rating and tell your friends about us because I'm sure they'd like to listen too. Have a great week, everyone. 